today, uh, in a sort of special quickfire edition of Having a Gas, I'm having a gas with Frankie Goodwin, the Chief Creative Officer here at Saatchi and Saatchi. And uh, normally, so we've got about half an hour, and normally at the half hour mark, I've just about got people thawed out. Mm. So we're going to have to race through some small talk. That's so, fine. Yeah, pandemic been bad, weather good. Yeah, boring, COVID, mm, God. busy again. What to do? Okay. Yeah, tube's packed. Great. Saatchi and Saatchi. <laughs> so um, how long have you been CCO here, by the way? Not very long. I've been, um, I stepped into the role in about June, I think. Hey, yeah, 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 can time. And do they bring you in with, because I imagine for obvious reasons with what's happened recently, I imagine it being like a kind of a coronation type event. It's like you have a mandate to oh, yeah, it's- <laughs> deliver some big things. What happens when they're having those conversations with you and you're being called up to lead the most famous agency? Um, gosh, uh, it, well, I have to say it was, it, it wasn't something I sort of was like, um, laser focused on, you know, I think, I think I've very focused on the work and, um, you know, I have been at Saatchi for nine years. Yep. So, you know, I feel like I was doing something right, but, you know, I think I've been very focused on the, the work and the, the parts of the business that I was looking after and getting those into good shape. And we had a new CEO yep. um, who came in at the beginning of the year. Um, so I was very focused on, you know, building my relationship with Chris and building up my squad, which was how we had kind of um, taken the business and, and put it into sort of three tranches um, in order to create almost like little mini agencies. Right. Um, so that was all super, super new. And that was kind of rolling and, and we were kind of getting going and, you know, feeling like that was, that was working really well. Yep. So I, I really wasn't, I wasn't, didn't have a promotion in my mind at that point. Um, and so when Chris talked to me about the opportunity, it was, um, it was quite a surprise. Yeah. Um, but then quite quickly became something that I was like, oh yeah, no, this is a, this feels like a jacket I can wear, Yeah. you know? And strangely, I think, um, having run my own business when I was younger, um, even though that was on a much smaller scale, I think the feeling is quite familiar. You know, the, the feeling is, okay, there's no one coming to save you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's sort of on you. Yes. And um, and as long as you're kind of comfortable with that. Um, and when you speak to a coronation, I think there was an element of, um, you know, I found quite funny yeah. around uh, the the press side of it, you know, and the fact that it was like, right, you know, we would do the press release and we want to make sure that by the time we're in Cannes, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not Jürgen Klopp. Like, this is insane, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess in our own world, there, you know, there is a, there is a, there is a story there. Like you said, it is a famous agency. And so, yeah, being, um, being, having my, you know, having that sort of coronation feeling at Cannes where you kind of are stepping into a world where people maybe didn't know who you were before and now they do and you're kind of meeting people and they don't ask you your name and that's quite a weird feeling. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yeah. when, when you kind of go, I'm Frankie and they look at I know. And yeah. you're like, oh God. Did they, um, did, they, did they have, do they do it on a stage kind of reveal? This is No, the, uh, no, no, no. I think the only thing that felt like that was because we did, we launched the NCS, uh, the, new, the new creator showcase yeah. um, for its 32nd year. Um, and so it was a huge honour to be able to... Um, on stage for that and present yep. that to can and that definitely felt like wow okay this is you know you're you're you know because the agency know me there was a moment here where i stood up and i you know it was like hey guys it's me now yeah. um and that was really lovely and what i did then was i took them back through the work that i'd done before sarchi's and sort of introduced myself almost reintroduced myself yeah um but at can yeah launching the new creator showcase and being being able to 
go on stage and introduce our vision for for that was was a real honor and really did feel like quite a big deal yeah does the um you mentioned well there's so many things to pick up on one thing you mentioned was you have somewhat divided the agency into these three uh sort of separate divisions that i'm guessing do different types of communications and uh, it's more just along client lines. Right, so okay, it's it. it's to do with um, being able to really create a connection between your um, your lead uh, planner, creative produ- production. Um, you know, very specifically bringing production to that level as yep. well, um, and uh, your account uh, leads to have a more sort of integrated view on the clients. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you know squad a b and c i mean it's not it's you know um it's not named like that for it just it's just you know it's it's quite operational yeah you know it, the culture is such and such we the creative department is such and such you yeah. know it's quite an it's it's a very helpful operational structure that allows you to be very very focused on the bits of business um and build and uh build and make and give autonomy to um, the the leaders uh, of each squad and yeah. connection to the creatives and connection to the, the output um, in, a, in a more meaningful way. And it's also a great way to pitch. Nice. So you've been here for nine years already. And mm. so I assume that means that you didn't feel some great weight of I'm now leading the, you know, the Saatchi team. No. Because yeah. you've already been here, you've yeah, yeah. the furniture. So I'm guessing the transformations were less to do with you know, big brash reputations and more to do with transformations with, you know, your internal relationships. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, oh, you're the boss now. Okay. And then, you know, how, how do you manage that when you, you've been with, you know, on the same level as people for so long and then you get that step up, you know, what? Oh, but- gosh, I think everybody's approach to that is quite personal. And yeah. I think it's probably quite individual in terms of how that works with different people. I found it, I found it relatively um, smooth. And I think the fact that I do know people well um that it's been quite an it's quite quite a easy and respectful transition i don't like hasn't it hasn't possibly from the outside it it or even the not so much from the outside but imagining it is bigger than it feels like you know when you're in it all these things are always relatively organic yeah um and for me i'm more focused on making sure that we have some outside voices coming in now yeah. you know because um I'm not the hand grenade yeah. of a new face of a yeah. new person of like, let's, you know, that, that was almost, that was like, Chris was the, you know, yes. and, uh, uh, in a, a positive hand grenade, yes. obviously, but, uh, I think, Good hand grenade. yeah, yeah. The, 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 someone comes in and goes, right, we're going to change everything. We're going to change the way we do things. We're going to be in squads and everything's going to be structurally different. And, um, we're going to go after new clients and blah, blah, blah. But, um, so I'm really focused on, yeah, my relationships internal are in really good shape. I think it's about making sure that there's some new voices moving forward as well. What does that mean? New voices? Well, replacing myself right. for a start. Um, and, uh, you know, bringing in, bringing in a, a new ECD. Um, uh, that takes time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, finding, yeah, finding the right collaborators. Because, I mean, you know, I've got some great people here. but Yeah. You ran your own business when you were younger. I did. And I presume that um, uh, that gave really useful early and uh, early experience that was probably quite rapid and quite difficult learning that has been useful later on. Mm. Um, that's, that's an assumption, but it's, I'll you know, try and repackage it as a question because, you know, did that make it easier? Have, has running your own thing when you were younger 
made some of the challenges of uh, being, you know, uh, leading an, an operation um, already familiar to you? It's like I remember having to do this when we would, you know. Yeah, I think for me it was more more of a confidence thing. I, I don't... Um, it was a, a very small and naive operation and like with a huge ambition and doing doing really it? interesting work. Oh, so I ran a company called Frankie and Johnny, um, surprisingly with a guy called Johnny. Yep. Um, and we built that out of an opportunity that we we got to build a website for a film, which, um, which sounds sort of, what? But um, going on location and building a kind of content-driven platform uh in 2001 was was quite revolutionary yeah um and uh, i didn't want to guess when it was but that's like, yeah yeah, yeah. so be. so that was that was that was we then built you know that was pretty much my f- first thing i did out of college and then um we we built that as a kind of digital boutique offering around films and independent um films and cinemas and all kind of building campaigns for films basically yeah was that so was that inspired by your interest in film? Was that because that was what you were into? Or uh, absolutely not. It was completely web? random. I I I met um, Johnny, who became my business partner uh, in my first job, which was a graphic design job at a company called SAS, who are now MSL, who are actually owned by the Publicist Group. So you know, funny how life yeah. comes full circle. Um, but yeah, I was a, a junior designer um, doing quite corporate print, learning a hell of a lot about how to just be a grown up. Um, but with a, an eye on, and I was, I was interested in the digital world, but maybe mainly just because I was young, you know, yeah. in that way that you don't think, I, I didn't think about medium, uh, media yeah. and platforms with any kind of restriction restriction or, oh, I'm not a digital person and I'm not uh, a tech person. I yeah. remember saying to Johnny very early on, he said, oh, come to Venice and do this website with me. And I said, oh, I don't know how to build websites. He went, it doesn't matter. I just need ideas. Yeah. I'll build it. And I, I think that's, you know, talking about my career, I think the um, that's always been something that I have been lucky enough to kind of cultivate mm-hmm. is that Glasgow School of Art was very much a place where you learn how to think rather than what to do, yeah. you know. And and you, it was about communicating ideas and thoughts and m- making people react to... It wasn't it wasn't sort of box ticking or like design a logo by Tuesday kind of thing. Um, so, there, so that made that created a person who didn't think in terms of like medium and, oh, I'm a print designer or I'm a, you know, I'm a brand designer or whatever. And then I think I, when I was staring down an opportunity in advertising, however many years later, you're like, I don't know how to do this, but it'd be fine. Yeah. I'm sure it's, it's, it's just about ideas. Right. And yeah. I know I've got, I've got lots of skills, but I, I'll just, I'll just, you know, the whole where it lives and uh, media budgets and media plans and stuff, you know, I'll just, I'll just get the hang of that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I follow. I don't know if you're. Um, I don't know if you follow the kind of uh, advert, any of the advertising meme accounts on Instagram. Oh yes, I do. And they're really good. Yeah, br- brilliant satire. But one thing I notice is one of them in particular. I won't name drop because I'm not being paid to. <laughs> is um, very very interested in uh, all things to do with the media landscape and the media spend and uh-huh. the controversy around Netflix's entry into the ad world and how much oh, yeah. they're going to be charging. And I notice that a great deal of the discussion in advertising is about the media and it's about where it goes and for how long and how much it costs. Mm. Do you feel like the creative side of the industry is on the back foot in terms of priorities, how important, you know, the, the, the different disciplines feel? I'll, I'll add on to the end of that. A lot of us growing up, you know, teenagers watching Mad Men thought, oh, advertising is all about the idea. Mm. 
And you can even see in that show, the balance tips towards the media by the end with Harry Crane and his computer being the talk of the town. Um, you know, does that, does, is that reflective of how it feels in the industry or is that just the ramblings of someone who looks at a couple of Instagram accounts? Um, I, I don't have that impression. I, I still feel creative as king. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure that, um, you know, there's a lot of media partners that would be like, oh God, if only, you know. Yes. Um, I think the reason possibly, I don't know that particular Instagram account, but um, I think possibly the reason that it's a big discussion is because it's, it's become a, a a measurement of how much reach you can get because organic reach has become almost like a mist, like a, a myth. Yes, you know, like a mystical thing that used to happen once. Yes, yeah. um, like we found um, that with this show as well. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. I'm sure. Um, so I think I think the realities of of the need for media support, yeah. you know, and and to really try and create things that are proportional <laughs> to your media spend ha- have become. Um, maybe a little bit louder, but I, I don't, yeah, I, I still feel people are more interested in, in, uh, in what's in the content. Yeah, I'd hope so. Um, because, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I, was, I don't have the time to go off on this ramble, so I'll keep that one for next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's definitely it's something that is constantly on my mind with regards to music, which is, you know, our yeah. first love and, you know, um, soundtracks were had a had interest in being very melodic. You know, very ear catching. Let's mm, say, mm-hmm. and now soundtracks are very. I mean, movie soundtracks uh, kind of feel like large scale professional library music now. As in, it's mm. not intrusive. It's not particularly characterized. It's it's very ignorable, but it's there and it serves a purpose. You know, mm. we found that with uh, we put on the sort of music from the latest James Bond film in the studio. But without showing what it was, it's like, which film is this? Do you recognize it? Mm. So what I'm saying, I suppose, is a long way around saying, I feel like across the board, and it's possibly because of the um, rapidly transforming technological landscape, uh, the the conversation can often be um, about, you know, what the new medium is doing, what TikTok is providing. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I suppose less, and and I'm not like a pessimist saying that, it's never about the ideas and never will be. But I think in a time of sort of like technological transformation, the technology becomes the story. How are, how are you, there, is there anything you're doing here at Saatchi to try and, you know, react to that? What, you know, how do you deliver a campaign that can run on TV and on TikTok and on Instagram? You know? Yeah, it's a, that's a, there's a lot of questions in there. I think the my approach to working with platforms, um, and it's really interesting because I had... Um, I went to an event with Snap. I'm on the Snap Creative Council. And, you know, I think that, um, again, it slightly comes back to this, the sense of like um, not thinking in terms of media, thinking about how an idea can live in the right places in the right ways. And I think, you know, having been a digital creative, Mm -hmm. there was, uh, there was always that time where it would be like, right, here's the idea. Now, can you come up with the the Facebook add-on to it? Um, and being like, that's not how you kind of do digital. You know, it shouldn't be born out of a TV ad. Mm. Um, and I think we've really, as an industry, really moved on from that and are trying to have bigger ideas with bespoke bespoke solutions. Is such a horrible couple of words, yeah. you know, with bespoke solutions that are basically about how people interact with that media um, or how people use that and the way that young people use Snap versus how they use even TikTok is very, very different, you know, and um, 
I, th- I find that incredibly fascinating. You know, the, 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 was lear- re- learning recently about how there's kind of a return to um, horizontal video, you know, also, also just known as video, yeah, you know, yeah. like, 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 and I love the idea that in like 10 years times time, the, the 30 year olds of in 10 years time would be like, yeah, I created that because everyone was using it like the other way around before. Yeah, and we were like, vintage. like, yeah, that's how we did it for like yeah. 200 well, wherever since the beginning of, t- you know, since well, the beginning of telly and film. Well, kids who weren't around in the 90s and say the TV was square at one point. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, try making archive documentaries from, with all the film, with all the footage from the, yeah. from uh, a four by three world. Four by three, by the way, I think is the ugliest format for anything. We used to, I used to design a lot of movie posters. And in America, you've got your one sheets, you've got these lovely portrait. Portrait is a lovely format for posters. Yeah. And in the UK, we have these things called quads, which are four by three. And it's just the ugliest format. To Is build. it only here? Yeah. Like driving on the left and the pound? And it's stuff only like here. Um, it's it to some some weird, um, you know, empirical... Uh, uh, bo- oh. But the boxes that sit outside cinemas are, are four three. So quads, UK quads, they're called. So it's like like so it's yeah like an imperial measurement. Yeah, yeah, it's like an imperial like measurement. Yeah, yeah. As insane. If we had an, if we had another hour, I would just do design Q and A because yeah, you know, yeah, I know yeah. nothing about this. I can see this is a very design led agency because of the cardinal sin of arranging books by color. I can see that <laughs> copywriters did not design this room. I do that too. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you can. The, there's some good books around, but um, but yeah, I hadn't actually noticed that. Um, so, sorry, going back to your question about the platforms, I think yeah, working with platforms in an honest way and and finding what's unique and bespoke to those platforms is is the way to let an idea live and breathe and um, and uh, and be authentic. And I think authenticity is probably the biggest word that you know the, yes. the thing that you need to hold on to when you're doing that. It's like and that's what I try and do with. With you know, as we're rolling something like Hope United out across different platforms, you know, tackling online hate in different places as well, you've got to react to that in um, in an appropriate way on the on the right channels. So yeah. yeah, it's very much part of what we do. So those of us who watch from the outside, what sort of Saatchi and Saatchi? I mean, we're you know our company, we're sort of a um, an ancillary business providing music to the industry. So we're not in the industry, but we kind of watch it from the side, and so we look mm-hmm. at the campaign creative work page and. Um, when we see Saatchi and Saatchi these days is usually with BT and mm-hmm. EE, which is again difficult to say. So, um, you know, what other stuff is going on that isn't these big flagship sort of you know huge clients that you're uh, the you know that you're very excited about at the moment? You know, that isn't this big. Yeah, that, I'm just going to repeat the question again. If yeah, I yeah, talking. no, I get it, I get it. <laughs> so yeah, EE and and BT are. Um, um, like a big pillar of our, our business um, a really long-standing relationship with EE. I mean, we basically launched EE. Yeah. Um, and we're, we've, you know, I've been here quite a long time and that we do have like very proud of the, the, the long-standing partnerships we have. Direct Line is another one. Yes. Yeah, it's something that I've been uh, closer to historically. Um, you worked on all the Harvey Keitel stuff. I didn't. I came involved, I came, um, I got involved with direct line to to uh for life after harvey as we called it yep. so it was like, like taking that big decision to move away from that um creative platform because it had been hugely successful yep. for the brand um and be like okay that's a, again for a, a company that basically deals in risk yep. you know and risk assessment um sort of analyzing the the risk of turning that off yes. you know um, and and building something new mm-hmm. and and how long that would take and whether that would be effective 
Um, so that was a, a really amazing challenge. And we, we came up with this We're On It platform, which was about, you know, came from the idea of, oh, we got to replace Harvey, but then realizing that all other sort of problem solvers and superheroes made an awful lot of mess yeah. and noise. And it was kind of about them. Yeah. And the joy of Harvey was it was like, I was never here. Yeah. No one will ever speak of this again, which is really how you want insurance to to be. So we almost put the kind of control back into the hands of the consumer by having these superheroes show up and be like, I will tow your car and being like, yeah, I'm fine. I've got direct line. And like, that's sort of the, the gag. And we've done fun things across, across the couple of years that we've had that of like, you know, just these sort of crazy epic, um, uh, CG work to kind of, you know, they make these amazing trips to get there. And then the, you you build up the balloon and then you burst the balloon and then the last couple we've we we've done we we took the superheroes on holiday because they were kind of you know they were just weren't needed and we got to work with marvel um and the upcoming the upcoming it's out now uh thor love and thunder yeah. um uh but that was an amazing experience so that was again big blockbuster stuff yeah um and you're kind of asking me about the other stuff but i think if I work through the squads, um, you know, we're and what I can tell you about and what's maybe, you know, not quite public. Um, we've got some super exciting pitch wins, you know, recently um, and new clients uh, with with new perspectives on modern Britain, which is what we're all about, you know. And we don't um, want to jump the gun in case there's any, some of them aren't out of NDA yet. Then. No, exactly. I'm just trying to be good and okay. not not um, not break any any embargoes or whatever. But um, I think we've got some really interesting work on Robinsons coming next year, yep. um, and we've also got some really fun work on fridge raiders, um, which uh, I'm, I'm, I've, I just makes me smile when I think about it. Um, and they're yeah they're they're still sort of TV led, um, and then we've got uh, some. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think now. What else is going on? Um, direct line for next year will be interesting. We're, yep. we're actually doing, it's not just about blockbuster stuff. We've got this other platform around, um, getting people to awareness that they're not on comparison sites. And it's, it's the bluntest instrument ever about it being like, um, the worst alibi in the world to say that you bought your car insurance on a comparison site and you went with direct line and it's like proof that you're a liar. Yep. And that's very socially driven. Um, it's really <laughs> really silly um and uh we've got you know we've got great great work for siemens coming out we've got um you know some really interesting uh work for i can't know i can't say that um deutsche telecom we have an amazing brief for next year amazing um continuing our gen z uh like supporters of gen z campaign so yeah i'm hearing that more and more actually at the moment with um we uh we were involved in a pitch with an agency who will remain nameless mm. for a big brand that will remain nameless. But they were saying, we need clever ideas to get Gen Z on board. And I get, I, I don't know why I get the sense, again, as a very much an outsider, someone who isn't in this industry, but mm. it's ancillary to it, that sort of every five to 10 years, there becomes this kind of big uh, amount of attention on a cohort, as if millennials, which is uh, my cohort, uh, all move in one block and then once they're all over 20 it's like right now we need to get the next block yeah it's pretty it's 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 you know yeah it's totally generational isn't it it's it's a it's a 10-year cycle of yep. of looking at your your super users i mean for telco of which obviously we have a lot in the building you know the stats on phone use of young people let's just call them young people not yep. gen z um you know they use twice as much data yes. as as anyone else you know yeah. they are they are our super users and so i think it's fair to think about 
strategizing around them in a different way. I also think it's, I think partly why we segment audiences possibly more than we used to is possibly because of the the way that we, it's not so much this, uh, this idea that we, you think you (laughs) or they all think as a, as a amorphous group. It's more that, um, they are, they are in quite different places. Yeah. You know, um, I watch still watch a lot of TV, but I only think it's I think it's purely because of sport. Yep. Um, and that's one of the things that brings everybody still brings people everyone to, to TV. The, to the TV. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, in terms of where a sixteen-year-old is versus a twenty-five-year-old versus a thirty-five-year-old, um, those times of life and the, the 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 way they engage through their devices is actually really quite different. So so again, if you're going to do bespoke, authentic, um work then you do have you do have to kind of go okay this is this is that the approach for young people or under 25s or whatever you want to call it i mean that must really be putting um working in advertising uh to the test Mm. um, because the uh transformation in technology that we were talking about not long ago uh is a it appears to be a um what's the word they use exponential process because say you know you're in the 90s uh, and you're about my age, 29, still. Um, your TV is still very much like what TV was for the audience in the 60s. 30-year gap there, but it's basically the same thing. It's a box and it broadcasts. Mm. Now, the distance between, so let's say the same time, 1992 to 2022, and that way, your way of consuming is completely different. TV now is not what TV was then at all. But it's going to be again. Uh, yes, so... But it will be because Netflix is going to put ads in and release shows at specific times and guess what? You got telly again. It's broadcast, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we were talking about this on the drive up that, uh, you know, we've been in this era of... I really don't want to tread on anyone's toes in case that there are any of them are clients here, but uh, we're in this era where all the big sort of entertainment giants have been on a sort of future model, like it will be profitable eventually and just keep it rolling. So we've got Spotify and Netflix and people like that. And we've kind of had this 10-year dream that all of our entertainment choices are going to be very, very different. And then, like you just said, something's just going to... Th- some things just come back, don't some, they? You, mm. Yeah, there are some things you can't shift. And it's yeah. like, if you're not paying for it, which we, you know, in some sense we aren't. But, well, we're paying very inexpensively Spotify £10 a month as opposed yeah. to £10 a record. Yeah. And, and, and you're being given it all in a one so that you can consume it all in 10 hours and then, like, one more... You know, it's interesting. I read a piece... I th- can't remember where it was. Again, I don't want to take credit for someone else's ideas, but I think it was in the FT um, about the age of convenience being over, you know, and we will look back on that time where we could get an Uber yep. within three minutes anywhere for you like... You think that's not going to be... No, I mean, Uber's already, you know, Uber's already not what it was. Yes. For good reason. Yes. You know, because it was an exploitative model. Right. Let's, you know, like it, yep. it wasn't sustainable Yes. in the same, like in terms of actually people making a living as i understand it yes um so therefore that's why uber is more expensive now and there's less of them because there's more competition for drivers which it, is all yeah. kind of a good thing right and netflix is the same like we, we we lived in an age for a short period where it was really cheap and you could get everything you wanted yeah and then all of a sudden it was like mm, this isn't actually that's sustainable from a yeah. you know, financial point of view yeah. and so we are going to we're going to remodel it but there what there will we, we will look back on the the last sort of five to seven years and be like, there was this magical time. Yeah. And it is like almost like a, the, the, a, a little mini age of con- convenience. Do you think it's going to be something like for about a decade, we thought there was a, such thing as a free lunch? Yeah. Great. Yeah. 
that's time. No, I'm joking. That's not <laughs> what we're going to wrap on um, because we've got three minutes left. So I'm going to cram in some stuff about music because you say you went to Glasgow School of Art. I did. Which means you probably have a strong interest in music. <sighs> um, Taste, at least. I mean, I, I don't think you can do this job without f- having good instincts on music and yep. believing in its uh power yeah you know a lot of people talk about it's 50 percent of the ad yes you know which is quite scary it's when not 50 percent of the budget let me no it's certainly like, <laughs> it's a really really good point you know um that it isn't and it certainly doesn't actually occupy 50 percent of the conversation yes um so so yeah it's it's a very it's a very key part of um of what we do yeah um, but yeah I, I i i have to be honest and say it's of, of the things that I feel are like things that I've really crafted and I'm, I'm good at in terms of design and narrative and story and dialogue mm-hmm. and performance. There's, you know, music is something I definitely default to experts on, you yes. know, um, I, I have a good feeling for it, but yeah, yeah. I, I love working with people who know, know more about it than me. Well, they're kind of analogous though, aren't they? Insofar as, you know, you uh, will, because I know nothing about design, as can only be too obvious by wearing sort of pinstripes with a plain blue shirt. But um, I can imagine that if you you can have the same image and just let's say either exchange or rebalance the colours, and it will feel very different. Mm-hmm. And again, we have that same thing in music. But what I mean is, um, we uh, we sort of obsessed about this quote at the start of the year, uh, which is that all art aspires to the condition of music. You know, we should say that music is very compellingly emotionally informative you just feel some way when you hear it yeah or you don't and you hate it when you don't you're like this is nothing i can't listen to this Mm. um and i think you know visual visual arts is in that same realm Uh, and you know that was what walter pater was saying like uh, art was moving from let's say merely representative to you know emotionally compelling Mm. going off on a rant now but basically all i was uh, wondering was you know what do you listen to what gets you out of bed in the morning music wise and you you know do you do you attend any gigs what do you go to if so um uh okay so i have a strange brain in that when i am not when i am working i can't hear anything yeah so like so literally it drives my husband specifically very mad, but I'm very, very, I can go into quite deep work very easily. Um, and so therefore if I'm listening to music when I'm working, which I enjoy doing, it has to be pop music. It's like, it's ridiculous. Like I can, I can, I can listen to the most insanely upbeat sort of cheesy pop music. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do, and that's sort of the gym music as well. So there's like, mild obsession with Maniskin at the moment. I'm really sorry. It's so cheesy. But like, I also um, uh, listened to film score. It was interesting you were talking about film score um, to create mood and environment. Um, uh, In terms of music, I have not been to a gig for a lot, quite a long time. They went out of fashion for a couple of years. Yeah, there wasn't a lot going on. I went to, you know, I've been, I went to see... Uh, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock recently. Brilliant. I went to see John Cooper Clark, who I'm obsessed with at Dr. the moment. Doctor Clark, yeah. Clark, and I have I, I saw have him really instead of Metallica mi- at Glastonbury. So, well, the, you know, that's the sort of thing. I think I'm I'm choosing language and 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 comedy at the moment in in sort of for performative things. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm uh, I uh, gosh, I feel like I have been to a gig. What like? Oh, I went to see Roisin Murphy. I went to see Ro- Roisin Murphy, and she's amazing. And so yeah, I'll just leave it with that. Big shout out to Rushi. Yeah, I'm gonna exactly. I'm gonna hassle you to give us Frankie Goodwin's design playlist for when you're working. Yeah, yeah, we'll, I will. It'll we'll push it'll, that out. it'll it, you'll 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 never want to talk to me again. 
Great stuff. <laughs> well, we had a hard stop of half one and I could see Lucy hanging out outside the door and I managed to get it one minute over the deadline, which is a great. victory for me. We had um, Rory Sutherland uh, over at Ogilvy Towers and his uh, um, I love him. Uh, assistant came in, Anna, who like runs his whole life. And he and he's, he's got like clients waiting. He's like, oh, give us 15 more minutes, start a fire. Do you like know, that. the only reason I'm, I, it's hard stop is because the only thing I really, really don't like being, I don't like being late anyway, but I really don't like being late for, for ex, like so there's I'm coming in to meet like a potent, like an inter, for an interview and I yep. just hate being late for people that like you know don't work for me of course because <laughs> I'm like they really don't have to be here of course yeah <laughs> but I you know very cool I bet the Rory Sutherland um, interview was better way better than this one but um yeah he's a he's a bit you a get a lot well, as the interviewer you get a lot less time to speak when you're with Rory yeah, yeah 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 no I just listen I don't read a lot of advertising books but alchemy is amazing isn't it just yeah yeah it's amazing well anyway Frankie thanks for making time for us um it's been great I hope we can do it sometime again uh, in some different configuration and thanks Lucy for sorting this out for us thank you so much lovely to meet you both and you great <laughs>